Hello, everybody, and welcome to Every Week in a Movie, the podcast where we talk about film and movies and Nicolas Cage in our favorite film, uh, National Treasure 2, Book of Secrets. My name is Ben Harris, and I'm joined by my uh, dazzling co-host, Taylor Becker. Yep, yep. Yep, yep. Uh, Today we are talking about the hit film Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, we're talking about that film. Um, actually, we're talking about Solo. Why would we talk about an old, old movie like the original Star Wars? Why would we talk about that? I mean, isn't this older? Because this is before all that. Well, I mean, I... Yeah, okay, whatever. I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Um, Solo, a Star Wars story, um, starring a bunch of no-name people and Woody Harrelson and Donald Glover. Yep, that's basically how it went. Yep, pretty much. It's interesting to me. The you know the lead of this movie was somebody that really you know nobody knows like Alden I oh how do you pronounce his last name? Iron Einrich Alden I'm like nobody knows who that is and I think that's kind of a current trend we see a lot in Star Wars and you know the different films is kind of these no name actors I mean other than the prequels coming in and you know becoming these characters. You know, you look at the original Star Wars and, you know, Mark Hamill. Nobody. Um, Harrison, Harrison Ford, you know, was kind of a prominent actor a little bit already. Um, and Carrie Fisher were absolutely nobodies. Nobody knew who they were. And now those names are, you know, household when it comes to film in general. Um, they also kind of did piece. that with, you know, A Force Awakens, the, the new IPs, a bunch of people that we really haven't seen much at all either. So I thought it was... An interesting choice to um, cast uh, another no-name as the lead, which I think he's going to become a prominent actor and get lots of more um, roles as time goes on. Yeah, you saw that with uh, John Bobenga. He is, like, in everything now. He's doing a whole bunch of stuff just from nailing it in Star Wars, and this guy nailed it, too. He's an excellent Han Solo. Yeah, and while he's not Harrison Ford, we talked about this the other day and how Nobody can really be Harrison Ford. That's not actually possible. And Harrison Ford isn't going to get 40 years younger. So uh, I thought he did a great job of, you know, having the same mannerisms and the way he talks in the film. I thought it was really interesting to kind of be able to believe that this guy was playing Han Solo and is Han Solo. Yeah, I thought he nailed it. Yeah, the same I would say for Donald Glover as Lando. Like, definitely nailed kind of the accent and um, really all of his mannerisms. And I think that's one thing this movie did well was really make these characters feel like the iconic ones that we've known and loved for years. And Donald Glover, there wasn't a whole lot of Lando in the later film. I mean, in any of the films, there's not a whole lot to go off of. Yeah. So, but I think he still captured it very well. And I mean, even the clothes had a lot to do with that. Like his personality, like this, this kind of cock of the walk, look at me all the time, look at my million capes and stuff like that. Kind of poke fun at the character and stuff like that. I thought he did a great job too. Yeah, I thought he added a lot more depth to the character of Lando to where I want to go back and watch like Empire Strikes Back and I feel like I would appreciate it a lot more. I think that's something that a lot of these new films are really doing well is adding adding even more to the older movies, if that makes sense. Like, you know, you look at Rogue One, it fixed plenty of different plot holes that um, A New Hope had, you know, how they got the plans and all that stuff. And it really is just adding depth 
to an already existing world to where um, a while ago I watched Rogue One. I, my girlfriend hasn't seen Star Wars, so we're watching through all of them. Um, I went and saw Rogue One, and then right after that, we watched A New Hope, and just the the transition between the end of Rogue One and the beginning of A New Hope adds so much more like intensity to the situation that um, you didn't get before without knowing the context of really what's happening. Um, so I think overall these movies are doing a great job of, while they're not like the most incredible films, um, in my opinion, they're doing a great job of building a world that we already know and really just kind of expanding the Star Wars lore, galaxy, whatever you want to call it. Cinematic universe. Yeah, the S, the SWCU, man. This is the 10th film. I mean, they're, we're getting into it. You know, it's not 18 or whatever it is in Marvel, but. There's been a lot of Star Wars, and almost every year now for the or every year for the next five or so years, six years, just gonna keep coming. Yep, every four months, just spit them out. Does the Which, ninth one come out this year? Yes, I think it's this year. I thought it was interesting that they made that choice to release this one in the summer, and you know, release nine in um, December ish. I think that's like an interesting choice because Rogue One, Rogue One came out pretty much a year after A Force Awakens and, you know, you had a long time between the two, um, which is why I think that it did better in the box office because I think people just, you know, I feel like The Last Jedi just kind of got done kind of being in theaters and got done, you know, through the, the pop culture sweep and it's out on like DVD now, and then I think to immediately release another one, I think people were kind of like, eh, I don't really need to go see it, compared to the the year span that we had between Force Awakens and Rogue One that I think a lot of people were more interested in seeing it. This was definitely the weirdest Star Wars movie of all, like, in terms, I mean, the movie itself is kind of not Star Wars-y, I would say, for the most part. I mean, you could tell it's still in the universe, and they provide plenty of stuff that's in the universe and stuff like that, but I definitely didn't feel like the whole time was a Star Wars movie. But also the build-up to, like, I remember when I was a kid to go see the prequels, you know, we saw it on the midnight release, stuff like that. It was, like, the biggest deal. I love Star Wars. Even when the new ones came out, it was, like, the big deal. Killed the box office. And we could say this one didn't do well at the box office. Pretty sure it still made $100 million. It just wasn't the 150 or whatever it was supposed to make. Um, so it still did amazing at the box office for any film. And but it was just like it wasn't the same build up. If like the advertising wasn't the same, you know, I saw a couple advertisements. They did a couple stuff with the NBA and on like ABC because it's all Disney and stuff like that. But they just I feel like it wasn't talked about very much. I guess like the, I don't know how. I guess the press tour just wasn't very good. But I think that's also because this is right after the Avengers and Deadpool two two. Like they they chose to do it right after that. Like after these two huge movies, superhero movies, to kind of counteract with you know, Star Wars and stuff like that. And that's all kind of how summer blockbuster season is supposed to be. You're supposed to have, you know, movie after movie every week. Um, but this movie just didn't feel very Star Wars-y. And even in the beginning, we kind of talked about this with like the kind of World War II style, World War One, even in the trench warfare. And Woody Harrelson instantly steals the show as soon as he comes into the movie. But it was just a weird movie. I mean, it goes from Tokyo Drift in the beginning. It's like this weird underground kind of like Mad Maxi scrounge for yourself. And Rogue One kind of, I'm not Rogue One, uh, Star Wars 7 did that too in the beginning. Like, this is like, you know, they're scourging for things just to earn enough money to survive. Um, but they think of the, these, these like prequel movies, 
you got to kind of bust out characters so fast. Like uh, Val is a character in the movie. She's been on screen for like 20 minutes and then she dies. Like her character kind of comes in, seems like she might be a little important, and then she's gone. And like it kind of does out the few characters. You just kind of rifle through them because you know not all of them are going to survive because you know what happens later. You're like, oh, well, these people aren't in the later movies, so obviously they're not going to make it, um, which is kind of a problem with prequels, I guess. I never... You never feel like Han Solo is going to die or be hurt, really, because you know. You know that he's there for the next... You know when he dies. You've seen it. Yeah. And that's, I mean, the same issue with the the prequels of prequels. Like, we have an entire plot point centered around Anakin Skywalker, who we know is Darth Vader. But, um, you know, it's suddenly in the prequels we realize that this character is pretty much invincible plot-wise, along with Obi-Wan and, like, Yoda. And um, I think I think prequels are very difficult to make because you pretty much are telling your audience, hey, you already know this plot line, you already know how this goes down later, but we're just going to tell you the beginning of it, and hopefully you'll be interested. And a lot of the times, I'm not, <laughs> to be honest. Well, I think it's um, funny at the end of these movies, too, they always have to, they have to, like... It's like if you saw the end of a chess game and you had to go back and put the pieces where they will end up in that place. So at the end of this movie, they're like, hey, there's this big job in Tatooine because he has to be in Tatooine eventually to meet Luke. So yep. you kind of have to like plant those seeds, but it's not often done subtly. I'll say that. They usually just kind of hit it on the head like, hey, by the way, Tatooine, you should go there. It's just, I mean, I don't know. But it doesn't mean it's a, I, there's plenty of prequel movies that are good and they're good in their own right um you just have to make it interesting enough you know why should i care about han more now that i've seen his backstory i didn't care for the romance i felt that that was kind of weak um yeah but i think they had to do something like that i guess to give him a reason to keep on fighting and you know everybody every man has a girl back home and um his girl just turned out to be psycho yeah, and I think that was something for me that probably the most difficult thing that made made me hard. Made you hard. That was probably the most, uh, yeah, just made me hard. <laughs> uh, that was probably the most difficult thing for me when it came to, like, believing that this character was Han Solo was I grew up with, you know, Harrison Ford as Han Solo is kind of this renegade, like, not easy to, you know, fall in love and just kind of this, like, I love you, I know, kind of this very kind of heartless, crude, badass style of a human being but you know seeing um alden oh god what's his last how do i i can't pronounce his last name i'm illiterate alden uh renerick i <laughs> um anyway seeing this actor portray han solo and like making out with this girl and turn her, telling her how much he loves her and I, in the beginning of that, I was like, okay, this is before Han Solo becomes this kind of like cold, heartless son of a gun. But really, towards the end of the movie, he's still kind of that way. Lover boy. He's still kind of a softie. Um, so it'll be interesting to see maybe in a sequel they do to this movie or, you know, more that they do that maybe there is a point where he becomes this like menacing. Um, Han Solo that we kind of, not menacing, but this kind of intimidating, uh, sly, whatever, um, that we see in A New Hope, maybe, you know, but for me, it, it just, he just 
he nailed the mannerisms and did a good job with lines and stuff, but that entire love interest plotline really made me struggle to believe that this was actually Han Solo. You feel like there has to be a sequel, though. I feel like they set up so many things to yep. make another movie, like his whole girlfriend being to go meet with, uh, um, I can't think of the name, uh, the Sith Lord. Why can't yeah. think of the name? Darth Maul. Darth Maul, thank you. Go meet with Darth Maul, who was such a badass character that they killed off in the worst way, which Star mm-hmm. Wars kind of has a habit of doing. Um, you know, in the prequels, I thought they did a good job with the Chancellor making him kind of like the bad guy from the outside. You don't really see what he does. You're, you're just kind of told. Um, but with Smork or whatever his name is in the newer films, you know, the first film, you're like, oh, my God, where this guy is crazy. He seems insane. He's going to – he seems so powerful. And then Kylo just kills him, like, super easily. And then he's just dead. <laughs> he's just cut in half, and you're like, oh, that's it. That's kind of – Oh, okay. But Darth Maul is, like, the same way. Like, he kills um, – Liam Neeson, which is an impossible feat. He's probably the only person to ever kill Liam Neeson in a movie. And yeah. then he gets killed by Obi-Wan, like just stabbed around the stomach and throw down a well. Not a well, but like a, I don't know what it was, but. Yeah, I think that's just kind of a, that's a thing in Star Wars. I mean, you look at A New Hope when Obi-Wan and Darth Vader fight. It's not really like this dramatic battle. He just kind of, he just kind of gets it. Um, So I think. I think that that's kind of a consistent thing. It's just these kind of underwhelming, um, more calculated battles, I guess. At least in the, you know, in some of them. Not, I wouldn't say that for every action sequence of Star Wars, but it's kind of a common occurrence where you think it's just going to be this very overwhelming or this very long, thought-out fight, uh, but then he just cuts them in half and throws them somewhere. Um, so, I don't even remember how we got on this tangent. Me either. <laughs> oh, Darth Maul. Um, yeah, just kind of the introduction of that fun little cameo. Um, everyone in the theater like was just like, <gasps> um, I know him in that moment, and I think a lot of people were probably confused by that because I mean, there's some TV show, I think the Clone Wars, the animated TV show that talks about how he wasn't really dead, and you know he's part of that big plot line, I think, but. Um, It'll be interesting how they managed to say, hey, he was actually still alive for all the people that don't um, know the, you know, the lore or whatever. But yeah, I think they really did just kind of leave it open for a sequel. Kind of my theory and what I read that was quite common was people thinking that maybe this storyline will somewhat be included in the Boba Fett movie coming, is that next year? I think it's 2019, next year. Yeah, it's probably next year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if any of this ties into that at all. I imagine it might. Um, so, I mean, of course, I'll leave it open for a sequel because that's what's going to make money. Every movie should just be left open like that. Every single one. The like the Titanic. Yeah. The Titanic is a little different, but <laughs> yeah, I think The Incredibles is like a perfect example of it. They left it open for a sequel however many years ago, 12 years ago or something, however long it yep. was. Um, and now that's coming to fruition. Um, I had a couple notes, a couple notes from the movie that, um, this could be like my weekly thing is where I nitpick parts of the movie that I didn't like. Um, hell yeah. This wasn't really a nitpick. The L337 was, um, Lionel Carissian's droid or whatever, you know. Lover. Lover. But it was such like a, you haven't seen Pitch Perfect, but a fat Amy, it was almost like a fat Amy cameo, like this big, be like it's like a sassy black woman kind of thing 
Um, but she had like another accent and it sounded almost like fat Amy's Australian accent. I don't think it was Australian. Um, I was looking at the, the girl that did the character, Phoebe Wallerbridge, and I don't recognize her from anything. Um, but I just, I, the character bothered me so much. It takes me so out of the universe. And I know that C-3PO was, you know, he wasn't sassy in the same way, but he's kind of snarky and R2-D2, we know we can't understand him. We can tell that he's often being, you know, snarky as well. So I don't think that's, that's weird to be in the universe, but, um, I think this movie is so easy to compare to Rogue One because it's such a similar, it's made around the same time. Um, it's, they're kind of, they're both trying to do the same thing. And Rogue One had K2SO, which is like almost the same character. He played a little more of an important role. Um, but Alan Tudyk played him and I will watch Alan Tudyk do characters for the rest of my life. I love him so much. Um, and he just did such a better job to me. His lines are funnier. His character is more important. This character in this movie was like this weird, it just, I didn't, it just, it didn't feel right in this movie. I didn't think it was funny. It just kind of bothered me. Yeah. Um, I kind of, I really do feel the same way about L337, her character. It was very like a political character, which is something that I thought was interesting. There was a lot of like robot rights and just kind of this weird, like unnecessary libertarian, like ideology that she had, which I think adds some depth to the character. But at the same time, it was like, I think it was supposed to come off as like funny, but it was also kind of just like, I don't know. I think it's, it was a, her character choices. I think she had some really funny lines that I liked a lot. Um, but there were some that were just like, there were some that were just like, felt kind of unnecessary and kind of cheesy. Um, but then again, when hasn't star Wars been corny and cheesy and unnecessary? Like it's kind of just this space opera, sci-fi goofy film with lots of cheesy lines. And, um, I think star Wars in a general sense, isn't something that needs to be nitpicked because there are so many flaws in it. Um, but in reality, I had a lot of fun watching this one. Um, I felt like the second act kind of dragged a bit. Oh yes, but, it did. Um, so long. I, I had fun. The characters are always, the characters are always like a good time. Um, and you know, interesting and quirky. And I love the atmosphere. I felt like the, the music in this film had some really unique, tones to it that I enjoyed and overall Star Wars for me is something I grew up on as a kid and something that'll continue to really like watching and something that's a lot of fun and it's and I I think we could have almost painted this as like it was a bad movie but I agree I totally it was just maybe it wasn't up to par to what I almost expect from a Star Wars movie but it's certainly better than most things I'll see I enjoyed it a lot more than you know 60 70 80 percent of movies that I'll see I you're right. I mean, I was in the world and I love being in the world and figuring out more stuff like this is this is the first Star Wars was supposed to be it almost. And then we were just we we're gifted with these nine other movies and then we we're going to have, you know, a whole many a whole bunch more. And we're just, it's the key, the gift that keeps on giving. And it's like Marvel. It's just Disney just pumping out as much as we can hate on Disney for pumping out a movie every week. Um, they're good. <laughs> they're almost always good movies. And yeah. so um, as a movie watcher, I'm excited that the Star Wars universe isn't done, that the MCU isn't done, and that Pixar is hopefully back to making good movies. Um, so Disney, just keep being Disney. Buy all the properties, make all the good movies. I don't want to call them movies anymore. I just want to call them Disney's. I feel like that's a fun dystopian universe trope where Disney owns everything. Instead of calling things movies or books, we just call them just reading a Disney, just watching a Disney because they own everything. 
Thank you, everybody, for listening to Every Week in a Podcast. Um, it's not Every Week in a Podcast. It's Every Week in a oh Movie. Oh, my God. But it's also a podcast. That's all that really matters. Um, I hope you enjoyed it today. Oh, we, we talked about uh, a lot of things, but mainly it was about Han Solo and Han Solo. Um, we didn't talk about how stupid his name thing was. The name thing was stupid. But that's Oh, gosh. Yeah. There are plenty of lines in this movie that made me want to throw up. Neither here nor there. Um, I hope you enjoyed. If you did enjoy it, you can check out our website, everyweekinamovie.com. We have reviews, hopefully, almost every week. Um, I actually just wrote another review on the movie Tolly, so go check it out. Thank you very much. Um, our podcast is also hosted there, so you can check out our podcast there, or wherever you find your podcasts. Um, hopefully, it's on Apple, because I think that's all we're at. And, uh, yeah. What do you think, Ben? Um, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. You can check out our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we post there sometimes, sometimes with little polls about how you felt about movies. Sometimes we'll talk about that on the podcast. I'd also like to thank Chad Crouch uh, for the use of his track A1 Rogue, which is what you hear as our intro and our outro. Um, you can find a lot of his music at the Sound of Picture Music Library at soundofpicture.com. He's a great guy that's just so willing to collaborate and really just use art to um, help others. So thanks to him. And um, next week, we will be talking about National Treasure, uh, the third one, which nobody knows about except for us. We've got uh, official script rights. So we'll see you next week with that. Bye-bye. So long.